How are you guys doing today? On this beautiful Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. It's going to be a good day. So dads, um, to honor you today, we'd like to offer you an extra donut out in the lobby today. So enjoy those extra calories. It's, it's a good day. Um, yes, it's a fun day. So I, this is a, a fun week in the life of our family, more so for me. Um, yesterday was my birthday, and then today is Father's Day, and then like three days, two or three days, it's our anniversary. So it's a fun week of celebrating in our household. And uh, it's also a good time because it's summer, and it's so good to be outside and enjoying God's creation. So why don't you guys stand with us as we celebrate, as we worship this God that we serve. Um, we're going to sing Glorious Day and just raise the roof off this morning. So let's sing together. I was buried. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was mine till I met. I was breathing, but Shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen. 
declare this morning that we have need of you in our lives. We need you, God, every moment of every day. God, this morning, just as I was praying earlier with the team, we all come this morning with, with different stuff this morning. We, had, we all had, some of us had a great week. Some of us had a pretty cruddy week. We bring stuff with us. So God, this morning, right now, we just lay that down at your feet. We say that we need you. We need you in our lives. We need your grace, your love, your forgiveness this morning. So God, meet us where we are. 
pray that we feel you this morning, that we sense your presence. Could open our, he- our ears to hear you, hear you speak as Dennis brings the message this morning, as we continue to just be in your presence as we sing later on too, that you would speak through those songs, through the scripture that we're singing. God, we honor you today. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why don't you guys take a seat? And blessed Father's Day, Sunrise Ministries staff, team, and uh, as Pastor Dan mentioned, it's been an interesting week for folks and and another thing to look forward to. So, um, Father's here, Father's past, uh, prayers and love to, to all of you. I am an evil dad. Uh, you, you define the evil, the wicked word by evil means wicked. Uh, my youngest daughter went to school in, in Hudsonville, and in her first grade class, she proudly announced when they put a shape of an animal on there, she said, that's a hippopotamus. And they looked at her, and the teacher, she said, what, that's a hippopotamus. We never corrected her. It was so cute when she said hippopotamus that we let her go to school thinking that was the name of that animal. And uh, she still remembers that. So God bless. Happy, uh, happy Sunday to you. We've got announcements. There's just a few things going on. And Evan, will there be a little bit of a in, in information about... Uh, okay, great. So first of all, we've got um, a, a very special... There's a camp, June 20... Let's put the announcements up, the June 27th. Uh, there's a special camp for the kids, Michigan Adventure, June 20, or July 25, excuse me, I said June, July 25, and we want to get tickets purchased by July 1st for the youth. Uh, Michigan Adventure Day, it's a lot of fun, and the chaperones and the, the youth ministry staff will be part of that as well. And uh, there was one other thing, the potluck, and that's a big one next Sunday, so uh, A through, there's some special directions. If you can bring desserts or, or whatever they're saying there, uh, A through I bring a dessert, J through Z a side dish, and the other meats and everything will be pre- uh, uh, prepared by the staff and, and brought by the ministries. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, God, our Heavenly Father, knew that it wasn't good that, that man should be alone. We're created in His image. He is our He's our one defense. Um, what's different about him, he's our righteousness. We can be dad nursemaids. We can help kids at, at night. But God, our Father, is our righteousness, which is just wonderful. And that's what Sunrise, we want you to, it's not good to be alone. It's not good to be out there just by yourself. So you're welcome here. Uh, if you're watching today, uh, come on in anytime. You're welcome here. If you have needs, we have a board up there where people just on that wall by the entry door. If you have needs, Please post your needs for prayers or something else, and uh, we check that out. And also, if you have something that you can give or share. I see there's a couple things up there that people have to give and share. Uh, First-time guests, visitors here, there's a connection table at the back where you can go and uh, meet us. There's a free gift involved and just information available anytime. If you see me, uh, feel free to ask me questions, and there's other folks around to love on you as God, our wonderful Heavenly Father has loved on us. Uh, There will be an offering too, very important part of our ministry that we can help share with each other and others as we support missions here and and even abroad. Evan, come on up and and, and let us know about this other special thing that we've got, a new opportunity for us. How about a big hand for Evan? There we go. All right, good morning, Sunrise. So 
Marksmanship is one of my hobbies, archery and rifle and pistol marksmanship. So uh, they'd asked me if I would host a range day. So there is uh, a range in, uh, indoor called Center Shot Gun Range. Uh, it's an indoor range, very safe. Um, it would be $20 to come. Please also bring money to buy ammo. I'll bring uh, multiple different guns to learn. The primary objective is safety. So I'll be teaching marksmanship safety, target acquisition, and then just the discipline around firearms. If you have one and haven't shot it in a while, come out, get practice. If you have one, you should be practiced. You should be able to use it safely. And if you don't have any clue about marksmanship or anything like that, if you're over 18, you're welcome to come. I will teach you. So please come. Um, reach out to me through email. Uh, we can also put my phone number up there, get an RSVP going. So so I know how many people are coming. And yeah, next Saturday. So you're all welcome, thank you. We've got a little break for a few minutes. If you'd like to ask more questions of Evan, feel free to do that, anyone else. And we'll be ready for, uh, for our message in just a few. I would say one thing about too, our staff, thank you so much. All of the tech stuff that goes on, the music this morning, wonderful, praises to God. I think two things we could have used a little more of, definitely needed more cowbell. And rhythm guitar was just a little, 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 little weak. God bless. Have a great greeting time. All right. Good morning, everyone. It's really good to be here today. We are continuing on and actually bringing to a close the series we've been in for the last several weeks entitled Jesus Said. And today we're going to be closing out our time by looking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said the gate is narrow. And I told Chris this morning as we were standing up here that there may be nobody else in this auditorium that gets the vast majority of what I'm about to say for the next 10 minutes. But I know that my brother from across the river is going to understand this. Jesus said the gate is narrow. This phrase, my friends, was a kind of mantra that was chanted by people toward mostly teenagers as I grew up. It was wielded expertly and even when the slightest suspicion that someone might be considering thinking about the possibility of sinning. Did you get that? Even the suspicion that you might be considering doing something that was sinful was met with a swift rebuke. And the quotation of today's passage, prefaced with the phrase, well, my Bible tells me, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Now, I'm really being serious. When I, I talk about contemplating sinning, I, I don't mean actual sin. Now, true confession, Tom, um, there were times in my life where I was contemplating actual sin, right? Still to this day. But, but let's be super real for a minute. Real sins, real sins, I'm really good at hiding those. The chastisement came mainly for faux sins, Things that, that weren't really sin, but weren't acceptable according to the social contract that this or that particular gatekeeper had written for themselves and all of those that were around them. 
Things like going to the movies to see Star Wars or Indiana Jones. Now, not everyone in my childhood church was a gatekeeper. They were actually the minority. Most of the folks that surrounded me in my childhood formative years, they were really, really good people who loved me well and pointed me to Jesus. But the gatekeepers, they were a minority, but they were a loud minority. They were loud and super confident. And they had zero trouble making my behavior their business. Can I get a witness? The gatekeepers did keep an annoyingly sharp eye on any of us that were younger than they were. And should we even think about being tempted to do something that transgressed their litany of rules and regulations, they were on us like a pack of dogs on a three-legged cat. If you even considered skipping Sunday night church to watch the Super Bowl, they were on you. If you were sick on Wednesday night prayer meeting, they, they would talk to you about the fact that Jesus probably didn't feel too good when he was carrying the cross up Calvary's way. If you expressed doubt about a particular doctrine that was important to them. Now, again, I'm not talking about orthodoxy. I'm talking about you dared to read a Bible that wasn't the King James Version. Or you contradicted the fact that they would tell you that one unrepented for sin could send you straight to hell. Or if you doubted that the tiniest bit of alcohol that crossed your lips would be analogous to dumping the baby Jesus out of the manger onto the floor, onto the dirt floor of the barn. You see, I grew up in a place where there was no dancing, unless it happened in church, which was really interesting. There was no card playing, there was no cussing. Now again, much to my shame, I never was able to figure out actually what was on the prohibited list and what wasn't on the prohibited list because growing up on the farm, all I knew was this, is that if I said the word F-A-R-T in my grandmother's house, that I was in danger of getting my mouth washed out with soap. But at the same time, anytime she saw animal excrement laying around the farm, she referred to it as that word that starts with an S and rhymes with it. No rock and or roll music. Not even the Christian kind, if there was such a thing. No association with folks that didn't believe or behave the way we did. After all, we didn't want to be corrupted by the world, did we? One bad apple spoils the whole bunch, I was told. And absolutely, positively, no work on Sundays. Can I get a witness from the Dutch kids? <laughs> you see, the church culture that I grew up in, friends, these were all considered wide gate activities. Wide gate activities, wide road travelers. And those of us who knew the truth, we were bound to a more strict moral code. Walking the narrow road was hard and it was lonely and it was miserable and that's the way the gatekeepers liked it. It was filled with self-sacrifice and effort. But we were told it would be worth it in the end. Because in the end, Jesus was coming back. In the end, we would get heaven. And the wide road walkers would get what they deserved. 
In the end, all the things that we missed out on down here, we would get up there. Now, here was part of the problem with that, folks, that my version of heaven and hell then was less kingdom and more hedonistic. It's that if I just disciplined myself down here, if I was good enough, if I behaved in the right way and participated in this narrow gate, narrow road life, then when I got to heaven, heaven was rivers of chocolate and Reese cups for every meal. Enter through the narrow gate, I was told. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But, the, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Today I want to take just a few minutes and I want to talk about wide gate Christianity versus narrow gate Christianity. See, because here's part of the problem. One of the nagging questions of my adult life has, has been this, is that the road that I'm really on, the narrow road, how do I know if I've passed through the narrow gate? How do I know if I'm a wide gate person or a narrow gate person? Because I said before, the stuff that the gatekeepers were actually talking to me about or calling out in my life, those were just the things that I weren't trying to hide from them. See, most of the time, what they were seeing and what I was being chastised for, those were just the things that I was willing to allow other people to see. Because I, I think, like most of us, have a secret. And that secret is this, is that I know how sinful I really am. I know that the things they were judging me for, watching the Super Bowl, playing ball on Wednesday night, going to watch Darth Vader in the Star Wars movies. I knew, in my, I knew in my heart those were faux sins that I was being judged for, but I also knew that deep inside, behind my eyes, the person that's looking out, I knew that I had a sin problem. You see, I'd read the words of Jesus and I understood and I knew that there were times in my life where I nurtured a hellish heart, a heart of lust or a heart of anger, a heart of judgment. And I knew, correction, I, I know that if walking the narrow road was about my behavior and effort, that I was done for. You see, that's the thing, is that even, even in the midst of all of these things and all of this pressure and all of the judgment and all of the, the, the unhealthy culture that surrounded and, and, and was visited upon us from certain gatekeepers within the church system that maybe not I just grew up in, but all of us grew up in, the, the reality is, is this, is that we know that if Jesus means the words that he said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, it doesn't matter how good I am or how well I I behave, I'm in big trouble. 
Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 29, the beginning of which we just read, give us three mile markers. Three mile markers on the narrow road and three gate signs that identify broad gates and wide roads. So how do we know that we're walking the wide road? Is it about movie attendance? Is it about food consumption? Is it about all of the things that we were taught as a child that we ought not to do? Or is it something else? I think that Jesus is pretty clear here in the Sermon on the Mount where he's talking about and he's setting up what is wide road Christianity and what is narrow road Christianity. The first thing that he says in verses 15 through 20 And we heard this a couple of weeks ago as as Corey brought this message to us. Is that the sign that hangs out in front of the wide gate is this. Dogmatic certainty found here. As Jesus goes on to explain what it looks like to be a true prophet or a false prophet, as Corey brought to us a couple of weeks ago, he, he said this. He said that it's, it's not about testing the truth of the prophecy. It's about looking at the heart of the prophet. See, folks, I wonder how many of us were raised in this setting where we were told it's about having everything for certain. Don't express any kind of doubt. Don't ask any kind of question. Having faith meant that you had suppressed all of the doubts and the questions out of your life and that you unquestionably and unequivocally followed what you were told to do and believe what you were told to believe. I would contend this morning that what Jesus is telling us in this passage is that unconditional dogmatic certainty, the inability to be taught and to learn, the inability to be confronted with the fact that you or I might be mistaken in our certain dogmatic beliefs isn't a sign that hangs in front of the narrow gate. It's one that hangs in front of the wide gate. I'll never forget coming home from college and um, my dad's cousin, who, who was more like an uncle to me, um, Dan and Karen were, were, were the family that if something happened to mom and dad, it was in their will that my brother and I would go live with Dan and Karen. They were essentially our godparents and they cared for us and they loved us. But I remember standing in my living room, mom and dad were on a school trip with Chris and I had come home from college, moved back home and, and Dan had come to just check on me and he, he, he began to grill me about something that I had been taught at the, at the Baptist college that I had attended, that I had changed one of the the systematic tenets of of my belief and Dan was flabbergasted at the fact that I had embraced the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints he couldn't believe that I didn't believe that salvation could fall out of one's pocket if you accidentally said a dirty word as your car was crashing into a telephone pole and he pointed his finger at me and he said if I would have known that you would have come home believing the things that you're believing, I never would have sent you away to college. To which I responded, 19-year-old Dennis, the first time kind of adulting in the face of this kind of gatekeeping, I looked at him and said, well, I am thankful that mom and dad made it and you weren't responsible for where I went to college. You see, friends, here's the thing. Dogmatic certainty is often lauded as a narrow road mile marker. But it's not. 
You see, here's the thing. What, what we want to create here at Sunrise Ministries is a church culture where people, old or young, they can come and they can bring their questions and they can bring their doubts because the reality is that doubts are just simply questions. And when you have questions about things, you're simply agreeing with God that you're not him. Can I get a witness? The second thing, the second thing was this, spiritual activity. The wide gate disciples are known for their spiritual activity. In verses 21 through 23, Jesus is talking about true versus false disciples. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. My friends, this is one of the most frightening passages in all of the scripture for people like me. Because what Jesus is saying is these people, and these people aren't just folks that are showing up to church on Sunday morning. These are people that are doing the stuff. These are people that are pressing in, that are performing miracles, that are prophesying, that are doing all of these things. But what does Jesus say? Right? He tells us that it is broad road activity. Spiritual activity is not... The end all be all, it's intimacy and relationship with him. The third thing that we see here is perfect theology. Broad road, wide gate followers can usually regurgitate perfect theology, at least perfect in their own minds. Can I invite you to do something, folks? Can I invite you to, to press into the mystery that is the infinite triune God? You see, so often, one of the things that I, I think that most of my, my, my life and education has been spent trying to flatten out the rough edges, trying to bring harmony to all of the things that, that go along with, with not only uh, interpreting the scriptures or or. Bo- Believing and, and honing in on sound theology, but living in a world where things are, are broken. And I, and I wonder, I wonder if, if maybe the calling of those of us that are following Jesus is not necessarily to have our perfect theology, but to have our faith in the one who perfectly embodies the reality of God among us. That it's about Jesus coming to fulfill the law. That in our, uh, in our lack of understanding, we continue to follow him. We continue to press in to the reality of who, is we can, who he is. We continue to walk in his way, to love the way he loved. My friends, if Jesus is right, and I think that he is, the narrow gate isn't what I thought it was. And the narrow road isn't what that I, taught, I was taught it was. You see, the narrow gate and the narrow road is much more about following Jesus than it is about being certain about what I believe about Jesus. See, the narrow road is much more about having an intimate relationship with Jesus, much more about that than it is about doing work for Jesus. 
See, the narrow road is about knowing who he is and what he has done, not having a perfect systematized system to explain him to others. You see, the narrow gate and the narrow road is Jesus. The narrow gate is Jesus, and in him, we find that we're blessed even when we don't feel like it, when we mourn, when we're poor in spirit, when we experience loss. The narrow gate is Jesus, and in him him we find that transformation is found only in and through his embodiment of the law, the Torah, and not in my obeying it. Now, folks, don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you to go out and to live like hell. But what I'm telling you is this, is that even if you go out and you live like heaven, that will not earn you anything. Because the reality is, is that no matter how whitewashed you are on the outside, the reality is there's a second person that knows who you are behind your eyes, and that is the triune God. And the message of Jesus isn't that he knows and he's ashamed, but that he knows and he loves and he has come running to you to take your sin, your shame, your guilt, your punishment, die in your place so that you can have life. See, the narrow gate is Jesus, and in him we find that earnest prayers are heard, whether they're eloquent or not, that fasting is not about performance, but it's about perspective. The narrow road of the kingdom of God takes us to dark places that need our light. The narrow road leads us away from hellish hearts that drag us to places that are unchristlike. The narrow road draws us further from fear and fret and closer to faith. The narrow road. Folks, I find myself even on a regular basis, right, fearing and fretting about this or that or the other. What if? What if this idea of faith over fear isn't about being courageous about things that we don't know about, but what if it is trusting Jesus with the future that we have no idea what's happening around the corner? You see, through the narrow gate, And along the narrow road, enemies are loved. And justice replaces vengeance. Through the narrow gate is a no judgment zone (laughs) where introspection replaces hypocrisy and humble confession replaces religious pride. Along the narrow road, My friends, the needy are fed. Earnest and intimate prayers are prayed. Over and over and over. 
Because as God's children, we have been invited to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, to keep on knocking. Because they know, we know, that God is really the only one that can be trusted with the trajectory of our lives. Along the narrow road, life is affirmed and death is delayed. But when the final enemy of death does confront our mortality, it's along the narrow road that we find that we're confronting a defeated foe. It's along the narrow road that the journeyers are few. But can I tell you, the company is spectacular. Because we walk this narrow road alongside of the risen Christ. The narrow road is an invitation, my friends, not a condemnation. I think that's the thing. Chris, I think that's the thing, right? We, we talked about this and we joked a little bit earlier about growing up where we grew up and in the context we grew up in and things like that. And, and, and I think that this idea of the narrow road and the wide road, even the gatekeepers in my life, folks, I think they were trying to help me. But the problem was is I think that they were functioning out of fear and regret, that they had this idea that the gospel, they had this idea of God that he was as mad as he could be. And he was going to come home and he was going to kick the crap out of somebody. But that's not how good fathers function, is it? It's interesting, we were, we were watching the, the video and I, Dan had just said, hey, I got this video that I'm gonna play and, and I was sitting out here and I was watching it. I'm like, you didn't tell me it's gonna rip my heart out. <laughs> right? you, the only thing that would've made it better is if like, you know, the, the cats in the cradle would've been playing behind it or something. <laughs> you know? Good grief. I'm okay, I'm okay, we're okay. But no, that's, so what Jesus is doing is he's talking about the narrow road and he's talking about the wide road and, and, and the people that, friends, and maybe it was, was for good reason and maybe it was because they were afraid, maybe it was, was out of a, a desire to, to see Christ-likeness uh, manifested or fostered in each and every one of us, but, but the folks, those gatekeepers who, who said that the, the narrow road was actually the wide road and the wide road was actually the narrow road, the reality is that they didn't know really the way of Jesus. Because the way of Jesus isn't about effort, it's about surrender. The way of Jesus isn't about trying harder, it's about giving up. And I don't mean giving up and you just kind of lay down, but it's about understanding with open hands that everything I have is from him. It's about following him. It's about walking in his way. It's about being willing to say, I am human, and as a human, I'm pretty convinced that 30% of everything that I believe is wrong. I'm just not sure what that 30% is. But here's one thing I'm confident in, my friends. I'm confident in this, is that Jesus is the Son of God, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he has told us that along this narrow road, the narrow road is about loving God and loving our neighbors. And so if you, you don't have perfect theology, you're perfectly fit for the narrow road. 
that if you don't have dogmatic certainty, you are perfectly fit for the narrow road. That you, like me, if you always don't have spot on spiritual activity, you're in luck. Because it's not about what you do. It's about whose you are. It's about the fact that you don't have to be. It, it, it's funny, next week we're going to, Dan, you and the team can come on up. Um, Nick, said, Nick asked me, he said, what are you going to do? Are you going to call yourself up this morning? Hey, Dennis, head over to your guitar. <laughs> Possibly, I might. We're going to be baptizing and dedicating these little ones next week. And you know what's really interesting to me is that neither Sloan nor Sophia, I mean, they're, they're really not great money makers. They don't have jobs. They can't do much. Right? They just kind of lay there. Right? Even when they get mobile, right, they cause more trouble than they, you know. You, you can't tell a, you know, an 18-month-old, hey, go run the vacuum. And when they do, they just do a really bad job of it. You see, but that's the thing, right? We delight in them because they're ours. Because we love them. Right? Those of us who have been parents, we we realize that our kids, man, they're, they're not always perfect. And sometimes the things that drive us most crazy about human parents, about our children, are when we see ourselves in them. But the reality is, when it comes down to it, when they experience joy, we experience joy. Because we love them. Not because of their activity, but because of their identity. So today... The invitation is to walk the narrow road. <clears throat> to walk the narrow road, not, not via behavior management or not through dogmatic certainty, but through relationship with Jesus. For he loves us. He's given his life for us. He's come to take everything that was not his and to give us everything that is not ours. He has come to close the gap. Well, the last several weeks, we've looked time and time again at the words of Jesus, and, and they've been surprising. Why? Because it's always, Jesus always comes toward us, does he not? While we were far from him, he closes the gap. He runs to you. And maybe there's some of you that are sitting here this morning, and you're thinking, man, Dennis, if, if you only knew who I am behind these eyes, And folks, maybe, there, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe that's part of the fall, right? We judge each other and we struggle. But the one who knows you best loves you most. And invites you. Invites you to walk with him the narrow road. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. So God, we pray that you would just continue to, to be with us over these next few minutes. Lord, that we would love you with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Lord, that we would seek you, that you would give us understanding. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
just like to add a couple of things to um, Mike's announcement as Dennis is getting set up uh, for the potluck next Sunday. We're just, we just want to let you guys know that it's going to be, basically, you know, we have five pillars here at Sunrise. One of those pillars is, and one of our values is to be thankful and to show our gratitude to God. And um, that Sunday's going to, next Sunday's going to be that, basically. We're going to have, like Dennis said, the baptism um, during the service, and also we're going to appreciate our volunteers, us as staff. We appreciate our volunteers so much here at church, and we're going to have that potluck after church for that, for that reason. So, um, uh, like the Mike's mentioned, the um, how the breakdown is for the food up on the screen. If you bring food next Sunday, we're going to bring it in. I think we'll have a couple of people that'll meet you and bring it into the kitchen, and then we'll have a all the tables and stuff set up out in the, the north parking lot out there. And so when the service is done, I'll have a little bit of um, transition time and then we'll meet out there, have a good time, eating some good food. Um, I did want to mention, we do need maybe one or two more people willing to grill some food. If you have a great grill and you can bring it, we do need a couple more um, people willing to do that. So if, you, if that's you, come see me after the service and we will connect. Um, but yeah, it'll just be a fun celebration of showing thankfulness and just having fun as a church outside. Hopefully we have good weather, but I think it's supposed to be sunny and beautiful next Sunday, just like today. So um, that said, it's going to be fun. So why don't we uh, get started? Their last song. We'll just go. He doesn't just start the beginning of the song anyway. We got it. Let's worship. Song. Come on in and 
him and everything to do with his love for you. So Father, we thank you now for this day. We thank you for your, your good graces. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We pray that you would continue to be with us. Lord, that we would follow you wherever you lead. 
that we would be used by you for your name, for your sake, to build your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As you go, remember there are boxes in the back for giving and online. Go in his peace.